On this week's episode, we jump into the possession of Ronald Doe and take a walk down memory lane discussing The Exorcist. So polish your crucifix and join us in the pod shed. We're mixing up Bloody Marys and talking about murder. everyone welcome back to another episode thc true hollywood crime i'm your host mariah this is your other host bailey it's me <laughs> again <I'm> here <laughs> this is episode seven our favorite my favorite number okay is not, it your, no. i know <laughs> what's yours 13 yeah yeah my other one is 13 mm-hmm. um hey how's it going how good. are you doing good i know so it's really hard for me because i feel like i'm getting a two for one this week because we had already talked about the movie we're covering, which we're doing a little bit later than normal, because I was out of town. Yes, we are recording on a Monday, which is a little weird. We normally record on a Friday. And in the meantime, I decided it was a great idea for our next episode, <sighs> right? Which we won't talk about, right? It's we have something really special for next episode. I'm excited. Yeah, and so it's just been like... I already finished my homework for this one so long ago, I feel like, that yeah. I'm almost more prepared for next week. I'm, like, right in between. That's so funny. Yeah. Not me. See, once again, the difference in our personalities, B already finished her homework forever ago right. because she was going out of town. <laughs> I went, oh, we're not recording on Friday. We have a long weekend. So I did my homework yesterday. Yeah. The very last moment that I could put it <laughs> off till. Um, so this week we're doing – the possession of Ronald Doe and the 1970s classic, The Exorcist, mm-hmm. Exorcist, Woo! Exorcist. Which we both have just so many memories about and like stories and everything. Another yep. great connection for us in our life. We first saw The Exorcist apparently when we were in ninth grade. Um, it got re-released. Well, sorry, that's when I yeah. first saw it. When did you first see it? You saw it a few years before that. Okay, so the first time I saw The Exorcist I was eight years old. Okay. That's aggressive. <laughs> it's aggressive. And I got to confirm this this weekend while I was staying at my mom's house, the house she grew up in, the house I grew up in, the house I watched The Exorcist in. And you guys rewatched it? Yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah. I know. She was appalled now, right? Really? Yeah. Like. Oh, how- but when you were eight. Yes. It was all good. So the best part was, and I think this is what makes The Exorcist so special, is of the people who have seen it from the beginning to the end, guaranteed you forgot something. Yeah. Guaranteed. I feel like you automatically block certain things out about Mm. the movie just Mm -hmm. because there's so much horrific stuff going on. Yeah. Right? So for my mom and my grandma, all they remembered was girl being possessed and it being gross yeah so the like, throw oh. up the head spinning yeah but like bailey will love this at eight <laughs> and forgot all the other crazy stuff mm-hmm. that goes down the language alone the language is appalling i, I forgot about all the medical stuff the oh. needles and the blood and i mean me too because this is the first time hearing of it right and then yeah you thought we were so much younger when we went and saw the re 
re-release the remix yeah mm-hmm. the re-release i thought we were in seventh grade apparently we were in ninth grade mm-hmm. um and that's when they brought back or when they actually brought the crab walk scene yep. for the first time it, they cut it out of the first movie the backwards crab walk down the stairs it was not in the original and it was really done they got a gymnast to do right it. Mm-hmm. because no, there was no cgi back then i know i don't want to go too heavy in the movie i'm excited to talk mm-hmm. about it but that's supposed to be your whole half of the podcast so um but, but yes from eight to what how how old were we in ninth grade uh um uh 14 yeah so 8 to 14 <laughs> to <remember>. 35 <laughs> one of the reasons i thought that we were in middle school was we saw it in the old theater that mm-hmm. was in our hometown and i just had memories of them tearing that down before, before we got in then. high school yeah i can't believe that that new theater is that new right um yeah anyways we have i have a lot to cover before we even get into Ooh. this shit where do you want to start do you want to start with uh, how much Married at First Sight have you watched? Not enough. Me neither. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay. I'm only up to, I think I just watched episode eight. Then we might be right at the same one. But it's so crazy because the couple we both really liked are, are now like bottoming out. They're yeah. like fizzing out. I know. And then the other couple, the dude with the gray hair, he doesn't want to touch his wife at all anymore. She, right. But to be fair, though, she was the one that was like, I have to be in love. And they're not in love. And so he's, he's like. He's trying to be respectful. Yeah. He's like, well, you told me you wanted to be in love. She's like, I don't yeah, but know. I'm also horny. Exactly. <laughs> so I feel bad for him. He's in a really tough spot. It's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And then the couple that is kind of toxic that started off as my favorite one are making like a rebound. They're putting in the work. Emotional roller coaster. this yeah. show. Yeah. When he stepped it up and kind of apologized. I think he really saw for the first time just like kind of how childish he could be in the anger Mm -hmm. and for him to acknowledge that I think that was a huge move in the right direction for them yep so Mm -hmm. we are currently on season two of Married at First Sight if you guys want to watch along right catch up (laughs) um and then I watched yeah I've been on my Shia LaBeouf kick I watched Honey Boy which he wrote and it's a I guess an autobiographical movie about his relationship with his dad when he was really young and he was on Even Stevens. I remember stuff about him making the movie, but I don't remember anything about it being released, hearing anything about so, it. So, because it was supposed to be released it. at the height of, of coronavirus. Mm, so mm-hmm. now it's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really great. He plays his dad, which is a little bit of a bummer because he does a really good job playing his dad, but it's not. You know, the it's best, not yeah. tax collector Shia. Right, it's yeah, yeah. middle-aged, it's balding Shia. Right. Um, but the performance is great. The kid in it that plays young Shia LaBeouf is so cute and so good at acting. And then they have an older guy playing, I guess, what would be like current day Shia. Mm-hmm. And it's nuts how much he sounds like Shia LaBeouf. Like Ooh. if you close your eyes you think it's Shia talking and then I'm a big enough fan to recognize that even the way he stands and the way he moves is exactly like Shia LaBeouf. Do you think they did any kind of voiceover work? No 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 I think he's just just really good. Okay. I think he just probably watched a lot of Shia LaBeouf walking around. Um, So Honey Boy is great. I didn't like it as much as Peanut Butter Falcon but you know I would say I would say the top three Shia movies that just came out this year: Peanut Butter Falcon's number one, Honey Boy's number two, Tax Collector is a a low bottom three, but he's the hottest in Tax Collector, so something to think about. The fact that he's had three movies come out at all (laughs) in one year, and the fact that during Corona, totally different movies, totally different characters. 
good for him. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah, his range, man. Um, and then a little update on we were talking about my <laughs> refound obsession with Twilight and how I oh my god reread the books. I've since rewatched the movies. Yeah. Um, and I admit I'm done. Okay. I read Midnight Sun. I'm the Twilight thing is being put on hold for a while. Um, maybe in a few years I'll do it again. But um, I said last week that the whole wolf thing didn't appeal to me. I had a feeling that all the Native American stuff was kind of bullshit. Um, I know that that's a real tribe and their reservation is really (coughs) LaPush. So I did a little digging for you, Bailey. And I'm nosy as fuck. I want to know. It's hard. I put their I put the Google like pronunciation (coughs) of their tribe name. So if I still get it wrong, I'm sorry. But Google has it as Quill Ute. It's Quill double E. Y-O-O-T. So, Quilly you? Qu- yeah, sure. Anyways. So, they do have legends that their tribe uh, evolved from wolves. That's where Stephanie Meyer got the inspiration, and that's kind of where she stopped. She was like, oh, yeah, they transformed <laughs> from wolves? Perfect. Do I got the thing to write about them? <laughs> I love it. Um. And I went on BurkeMuseum.org, and they got a lot of shit to say about this. Ooh. First of all, um, everything else she just makes up. Yeah. So she decides to just make up her own legends and tales and whatever, but then put the tribe's name on it, which seems a little That's dirty. weird. Um, and then even the, like, you know how, like, in the movie they all have, like, matching tattoos, the little wolf pack? That's an actual piece of art that one of the, like, production people saw in one of the tribal stores at La Push, and they just <coughs> stole it. Oh, man. And they, nobody from the tribe, the tribe has never been paid for anything. And they have merchandise with the tribe's artwork on it. And obviously, they're using their name. And obviously, they're using their reservation. And they've gotten zero dollars from the Twilight franchise for it. Damn. And they went on to say org that they actually think that Stephanie Meyer and the Twilight franchise is kind of racist as fuck because and I mean I'm not saying I agree or disagree I'm just saying they might have a I could see why they would think this yeah the Native Americans in the film are portrayed as like shirtless shoeless over sexualized savages they all come from broken homes Mm -hmm. none of them are going to school they're all uneducated and then how are the Cullens presented? Right. Rich, super elegant, educated, uh-huh. classy. Yeah. So I can see why they feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there you go. And then, dude, there's so much to talk about. First of all, did you know that Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, do you know who she is? Jamie Lee Curtis's mom is a woman named Janet Lee, and she's the woman in Psycho who's in the shower. Yes. Okay. Yes. I knew this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know where that popped up in yeah. my internet searching, but somewhere mm-hmm. it did, and yeah. I did not know that. I did. I did. I absolutely knew this. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about Drew Barrymore's grandfather? Mm-mm. So she came out, and she recently just did Hot Ones. Oh, nice. So Love Hot Ones. Yeah. In her Hot Ones interview... He asked if the rumor about her grandpa was true. So apparently her grandpa, some big guy in Hollywood, when he died, his rat pack of a friend group, they went and got the body from the morgue and took him out for another one last joyride. Excuse me. And she is convinced that 
that was the basis of Weekend at Bernie's. I was just thinking of Weekend yeah, at Bernie's. She's 100% convinced that that's based <laughs> on her grandfather being stolen. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Drew Barrymore's had a crazy life. I know. But yeah, Janet Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis, she was it's in her blood. She was She's horror royalty. Yeah, absolutely. She was meant to be this. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up of course I looked up Janet Lee and she'd actually been in a, a few other old-timey horror right. movies. So, mm-hmm. I mean, God bless the Lee family, mm-hmm. I guess. Meant to be. Um and then a uh, little true crime news updates. Uh breaking breaking. This is not going to mean much to UB, but so the Golden State Killer, he was just found a few a couple years ago. I don't want to go too much into it because it's a case I'm sure we'll do yeah. eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the reasons that he was even found in the first place was so the comedian Patton Oswald, mm-hmm. his wife who passed away, I think what a year or two ago. Yeah, Michelle McNamara. Yeah, she's a true. She was a true crime enthusiast. She had a true crime vlog, and she became obsessed with this killer who Ooh. at the time. Had a crazy name. I think he was called the original Night Stalker. Um, and she's the one who named him the Golden State Killer. Ooh. She released all kinds of research that she had done on him. And she started writing a book called um, I'll Be Gone in the Night. And she actually passed away before she could finish the book. So um, uh, a co-author who she was working with came in and finished it. But it was her like relentless uh, research and the book and getting the name out there that kind of pushed the detectives to to find this guy he's a serial rapist he's a serial murderer from northern california all through the east bay where we grew up in fact the lead detective on the case for years was a man that if you guys listen to um, my favorite murder a man named paul holes he was the lead detective in in contra costa county which is where we grew up so um anyways they just found him i think this past year his name is joseph Joseph D'Angelo, of course, he's an ex-cop. Um, and the big news is, is that he just got sentenced to life. Oh, but wow. he's old as fuck, so I don't know. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The sentence is there. I wish yeah. it could have happened a, a few decades earlier. So that's big news in our true crime world. And then the other one is, and we're going to do this case probably sooner rather than later. Is so it I, Peterson? No, but. I listen, I don't want the to only reason people. I brought that up is because I think I heard something about it on the news today but it doesn't matter it does matter but I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold my cards because yeah. I have a, a specific point of view about that but okay. I want to save it for because we're definitely going to do the Lacey Peterson case yeah again that happened in our backyard mm-hmm. um, and we were young adults when it happened like we were that's in our fresh. yeah that's 19 20 years old yeah um but no so there is Uh, A woman on TikTok whose older sister disappeared and presumably, presumably, (laughs) presumably was murdered um, in the early 2000s. And it just she had a feeling it was her stepdad Mm -hmm. or it might have been her dad, but I think it's her stepdad. And she nobody was giving her any attention. Nobody was giving the case the attention Uh that she thought it deserved. Right. Um, they so kind of wrote true. her sister off as a runaway, which happens a lot. Yep. And so she's been working really hard about getting um, her point of view out there and the evidence out there. She has some really interesting, like, recordings, both, like, tape recordings and, like, camcorder recordings okay. that she feels like is pretty strong evidence. Yeah. And then, so she went to TikTok. And so yeah. she started making these TikToks about her sister's case. There's so case. much you can do. 
it stirred up a lot of public interest. Mm-hmm. It really pushed the detectives to like follow through. And now um, her stepdad's been charged with the murder of, of her sister after all these years. That's so fucking She finally cool. got it. So um, that's a big deal. Yeah, so li- listen up, Trump. <laughs> We're doing good. That woman's name is Sarah Turney. So great job, Sarah. Hey. Oh, it's her older sister. Well, you're a badass little sister. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You really did it. Um, and TikTok is for the people. It is. And there's obviously not a movie made about that case, but there's a movie about like social media and a murder investigation that yeah. maybe will pair up with it because mm-hmm. I think it would be word. interesting. Mm-hmm. And then finally, before we have any fun talking about the exorcism uh, of Ronald Doe, we're in Northern California, and once again, Northern We're California fire. is burning to the fucking ground. Happens every year. It's getting worse and worse. Um, August for California is level eight of Jumanji. It, but it happens every year. Yeah. You can bet money on it. Yeah. Because what? So we've got the fires. Oh, we hit. We're the highest number of cases confirmed of COVID. We're over 600,000. We're yes. literally number one of yep. all the states. Yeah. We're number one. <laughs> hey. Got to be number yeah. one at something. And then we crept up from what, like 80 to 115 overnight. And yep. we got the relief from the storm. That caused lightning strikes <laughs> on our very dry ground. And set the whole fucking state on fire. Yeah, I think the closest fire to us this time was what, uh, about 30 minutes out because it was Orland? Well, yeah, except for me at my parents' house this weekend that was right across the street. <laughs> yes, except for in the Bay Area, it's much worse. And then B also had to deal with an apartment complex fire. Uh, whatever the fuck started that, but still. And then and then the plague we in the plague. Tahoe. In fucking Tahoe, of all places. Those people are rich this and is, clean. And this they get is the, the plague? This is the price we have to pay for living in the best state in the Jeez. U.S. Um But anyways, the point is uh, we're very empathetic to the people who are dealing with the fires yeah we're here we're with you of what two years ago is the campfire this november so but even just last year was the one in napa no i know but i'm talking about specifically the campfire affected us the most because we knew so many people who lost inherited a town overnight yeah a whole town uh the town of paradise california burnt down i think it's two years ago this november Mm -hmm. it might be three but i feel like it's two Mm -hmm. um and when i say a whole town i mean the entire town gone burnt down so um we're the next closest town to paradise and we're a pretty big town especially compared to paradise so not enough to any of the survivors a lot of them moved here and it's you know just trying to figure out how to manage that which i actually think you know we did a pretty good job Mm -hmm. i feel like butte county did a great job um what like 80 something people died in that fire it's just horrific everybody knows somebody who lost their house or lost a loved one and what i think trump came and kept calling it calling the town pleasant (laughs) yeah and i was so just so happened we went to fort bragg that weekend because we couldn't handle the smoke anymore because the smoke from that fire was so bad it was like nuclear winter like it was dark in the middle of the day it was in the 20s it was freezing cold um when it shouldn't have been it was just horrific all around so california's on fire again it's fire season so i just wanted to let you guys know um if you have a couple dollars to donate Mm -hmm. americanredcross.org slash donate is a really good verified place you know your money's going to the to the right people and also california fire foundation um their website is cafirefoundation.org you know 
give a couple bucks if you can. And if you can't, give a couple positive vibes. You know, people That's need it. it. Absolutely. You know, pray for set. Well, don't, oh, we're not a religious broadcast, but you know, yeah. manifest some rain in, in your head to, to stop these fires and blow it out of California. All right. Speaking of blowing it out. Speaking of blowing it out. <laughs> We're going to blow out this podcast about The Exorcist, which we're so excited. So, Because I know nothing about what it is actually based on. I mean, I'm, I know enough about exorcisms in general, but what actually? I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. Um, and this exorcism, you know, it's hard. It's from the 40s. Yeah. So what's fact? What's fiction? What really happened? I guess only the Lord knows. Ooh. But this is the exorcism of Ronald Doe. And just to let you know, Ronald Doe is not this boy's real name. Mm-mm. His real name has never been released. The family's name has never been released. Um, this was given to him by the media. So I'll be calling him Ronald or Ron. Who knows what his name is? Um, and this all comes from, listen, could they sponsor the podcast? Allthatsinteresting.com. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and um, I got some information about the movie from a website called The 13th Floor. So let's go. January 1949. Let me birthday. take you there. 13-year-old Ronald Doe lives in Washington, D.C. with his family, including his favorite aunt, <coughs> whose name is Harriet. And Harriet is a spiritualist, um, which is a pretty ballsy thing to be, I think, in the 1940s. Amen. They spend a lot of time together. Um, they're they're always hanging out, and they love to play with Aunt Harriet's Ouija board. Ooh. And uh, they contact some friendly spirits and kind of just do what they do. Yeah. And whenever Harriet's too busy, you know, Ron goes on there and plays with it by himself. Okay. But then, unfortunately, his Aunt Harriet dies. And by the way, since they didn't release the name of the family, I don't know how we know the name Aunt Harriet, but that's it's relevant i'm i'm just reading the facts that i i don't her know if her name facts. wasn't harriet but who cares <coughs> not yeah say. who knows what her name was um so aunt harriet dies and then the noises start mm-hmm. um the family starts to hear the noise of water dripping in the walls they start to hear scratching noises and noises coming from the attic and so of course they say oh it's leaky pipes oh it's mice but then the noises keep getting louder and louder and then objects start to move on their own. Oh. Um, and then whenever Ronald's in bed at night, his bed will start shaking violently mm-hmm. when he's in it. And then objects start to break on their own with no cause. So, of course, his parents take him to, like, doctors and to psychiatrists, and they can't help him. And maybe part of that is that, like, mental health wasn't... This was a long time ago, and mental health today <coughs> is still lacking. Miss, so, see, on the '40s, it was I think hard to get yeah. diagnosed or medicated with something. But you know, I don't know if Ronald's problems were a mental health issue or not. Right, not to say how much money a family had. Right, true. Yeah. So, um, but doctors and, and psychiatrists couldn't help him, but Baffled. they take him to a minister and to a psychic, and they both recommend you know, a Catholic exorcism. Oh, they recommend it. Okay. Yep. Because we're just tossing these out around there. Okay. Well, yeah. And I mean, the minister kind of makes sense. Um, He's obviously not a, if he's a minister, he's not Catholic. He Mm -hmm. was probably some form of Christian minister. And um, it's still crazy to me that you know that. I mean, I grew up in a Catholic family. I know. But it's just, (laughs) 
In fact, well, we won't talk about our outfits, but I'm wearing my crucifix that my Catholic grandfather gave me when I was a small child, which is why the chain is so little. Yeah. Um, and I'm not Catholic, guys, but my Anywho. dad's side is. So while they're waiting to figure out this exorcism situation, Ron gets worse. And he starts going into trance-like states, and scratches start to appear on his body. And finally, after months of this, Father E. Albert Hughes begins an exorcism. Um, but weeks go by, and there are there is no progress. Wow. In fact, they kind of go backwards. Ron starts speaking in Latin, mm. and he tells the priest that he is the devil. But his mom believes that it's not the devil possessing Ron, that it's actually Aunt Harriet. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if she hates Aunt I Harriet. I was going to say, <laughs> that's rude. But the mom is concerned that it's Aunt Harriet. Does that sound like Aunt Harriet? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so this all escalates when Ron, who is strapped down to the bed at this point, mm -hmm. breaks free from his, from his confines and cuts Father Hughes with a broken piece of mattress spring. Ooh. And then Father Hughes quits. He's like, I've had enough of this <laughs> shit. <laughs> And then new scratches on Ron's chest spell out the word Lewis. So his mom believes that it's a sign that the family should move to St. Louis where her family is. And I'm not quite sure why. Stop it. Because she's reaching for any <laughs> excuse to get the fuck out. I mean, that's true. Maybe it's a house problem. Um, and once they're there in St. Louis, a cousin... A cousin of the family who attends St. Louis University puts the family in touch with Father Walter H. Halloran and Reverend so they William this beast? Bowden. Well, yeah, she brought her son with. Oh, you mean like the the whatever's possessing Ronald yeah. came with them? Uh -huh. Yes, it's not a house problem. It's a Ronald problem. Yeah. For sure. And they take on the exorcism and they show up to the family's house on Roanoke Street with a team of people on March 1949. A little side note, the first apartment my husband and I ever had together was on Roanoke Drive. Hey. So, there you go. Um, now, what they witness live and in person is scratches appearing on Ronald's body. They, they witness the bed shaking. They witness the objects flying around his room. They see all of it. But they also notice that this only happens at night. During the day, Ronald's fine. He's calm. He's normal. And then as soon as he goes to bed at night, shit starts to pop off. Okay. Um, and then an X appears on his chest, scratched into his chest, and they think it's a sign that it means that there's 10 demons possessing Ronald. Oh. Um, and then by March 20th, there's a whole new level of fucked upness when Ron urinates all over his bed, starts cursing and threatening the priests, and then he just result resorts to, like, guttural sounds. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> So his parents, being a little fed up and stressed out, I'm sure, take Ron to the Alexian Brothers Hospital for some more help, deeper help. Yeah. Um, but then guess what? April 18th, a miracle happens. Ooh. Ron wakes up Monday after Easter with oh, seizures. Yeah. And he screams at priests that Satan would always be with him. So the priests lay holy relics and crucifixes and rosaries on Ron's body. And at 10.45 p.m., the priests call on St. Michael to expel Satan from Ronald. Seven minutes later, Ronald comes out of his trance and simply says he's gone and oh. that 
He claims he had a vision that St. Michael had defeated Satan in a battle. And for what I can find, he goes on to live a pretty normal life with no other problems. It's hard because I read a couple articles about this and they all said he did different things. So who knows what the truth is. But the consensus is that he went on to live a, a normal life. Okay. So... Late 1949, Washington Washington Post, which I didn't know it's been around that long, mm-hmm. um, releases an article about the exorcism, and they're the ones who name him Ronald Dole. Mm-hmm. Doe. I said Dole. <laughs> <laughs> Ronald Doe. And this inspires uh, William Peter Blatty. Blady? B-L-A-T-T-Y. Blatty. To write his novel, The Exorcist, based on the unofficial diaries of father halloran and reverend bowden so the book is published in 1971 it spends 54 weeks on top of the bestseller charts and it leads to the classic movie released in 1973 which is also a big success but a lot of people think that the movie was cursed have you heard this like the movie set yes okay yes so a couple things that happened on the movie set. First of all, the whole house set caught on fire. Really quick, thank you for doing this because I was going to and then didn't. <laughs> well, I just really wanted to make sure I had enough because um, this obviously isn't a true crime story. So it feels a little bit like cheating this week. But we had two really heavy weeks with the Ken and Barbie killers and then the disappearance of Walter Collins and the Wineville chicken coop murders. And it just was starting to feel like a bit of a bummer around here. So we were like, let's do a ghost one. Let's do, I mean, I'm so sorry if all of this actually happened to you, Ronald Doe, but yeah, we're um, not saying that it did or didn't, but it's a little bit funner and and lighter than a woman killing her 14 year old sister. Yeah. Um, And it's our fucking podcast. It's our podcast. (laughs) And we'll do whatever the fuck we want. Um, so, anywho, the whole house set catches on fire and everything's destroyed but Reagan's room. Oh. Ellen Burstyn, who plays the mom, okay. Reagan's mom, is actually for real injured when Reagan throws her to the floor. And she actually hurts herself pretty badly. And they use that take because her scream is, is so blood curdling that it's a real scream. So Damn, I wish I had known that. Okay. I know we're going to have to go back. I yeah. want to rewatch it anyways because I haven't watched it since we were in ninth grade so i want to watch anyways and i'll let you know about the screen um actors jack mcgower and oh god help me (laughs) i feel bad because they died vasilki v-a-s-i-l-i-k-i vasilki vasilki i don't know (laughs) what do you mean you don't know (laughs) molavos molavos Anyways, VM. Yes. God rest your souls. They both die during pro- post production. But why that's creepy is because those two characters, the characters they play, die in the movie. Mm. So it's weird that the two people who die in the movie, the Would actors also, died in real life right. during post production. Absolutely. And then a motorcycle hits and almost kills son of Jason Miller, who plays Father Damien. Linda Blair is thrown out of bed when a safety rigging didn't work and it fucks up her back. And then in 1987, Mercedes McCambridge, who's the voice of the demon possessing Reagan, her son kills his wife, his kids, and then himself in a family 
a familiacide is what they call it, but a family, full yeah. family homicide. And, of course, the, the crew is spooked. They report, you know, props moving and yeah. objects flying and all that stuff. So make that what you will if you think it's a curse or not. But those are those things really happen. I don't That's know about the crazy. That's I don't know about lot. the props floating and stuff, but everything else before that really happened. So you decide if you think it's cursed or not. That's a lot. So oh. that was the exorcism of Ronald Doe. Have you seen any of the other exorcisms? No. So I think I saw the, like the Emily Doe one. Is her name's Emily Doe? I'm, it's something. Oh, okay, okay. Like a Jane Doe type of a thing. But, but not, I think not the like exorcism em- of Emily Rose. No, maybe it was the. Em- but I don't think that's that. I don't think that has anything to do with the Exorcist. It doesn't. Oh no. well, then yeah, I've seen it. <clears throat> I thought you meant because the Exorcist has sequels, doesn't it? I just really I consider anything with an exorcism a sequel. Okay, fine, fair <laughs> I enough. Feel like they're all. Amazing. I have seen the Emily Rose one. That one's pretty creepy too. And what I will say about the movie that I remember and I appreciate is like how they didn't have any CGI or special effects, or if they did, it was very limited special effects, and it was still the scariest movie ever. Versus nowadays, you have like. Like we were talking about it too. Yeah. Where they have the biggest CGI budget in the world and then nothing is scary because you're like, well, it's a cartoon. Like it doesn't look real. And I understand why they had to do that. Nick was so focused on the damn clown's eyes the whole time. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. And I get that they had to kind of make these whatever, like overinflated images appear on screen. But it was so not scary versus The Exorcist. They're working with some rigging and some split pea soup. And that shit's terrifying. So that was really it for The Exorcist. Um, It's like it had the ability to make its viewer uneasy in what it was lacking. Mm -hmm. Right? It's lack of dialogue. Mm -hmm. And it's overuse of just like eerie sounds. And strange images because it allows your brain to just kind of take you to that darker place. Yeah. Um, When we saw it in ninth grade, like I said, I had not seen it before. And it might be the first movie that really scared the shit out of me. Like, it was scary, scary. So, in a lot of ways, I even, over this weekend, I thanked my parents because I appreciate... Them allowing me to watch scary movies at a young age. Because it desensitized you a little bit? Yeah, but there was a real miss <laughs> with a couple of them. <laughs> well, you've always talked about Jaws, that you were I, too young to watch Jaws. We agreed. We all discussed that this weekend. We all agreed on, the, I think I was four <laughs> when I got to watch Jaws. Yeah. And even then, like, I don't think that was the worst. Exorcist, yes, I was eight years old with my mother and my grandmother. And then, <clears throat> but I think that then after that I was just really able to enjoy the fun campiness of the Friday the 13th which then sent me down the rabbit hole of the nightmare on the Elm Streets and just over you know on and on and on so I did I thank them like just giving me that opportunity to watch (laughs) them in an age where I could still be scared by them yeah but also like appreciate them Dude, not me. When I saw it, it just straight up scared me. And I still remember and that's it. Yeah. my parents live um, at this end of, at the end of a, oh, no, every fucking podcast. No, not last podcast. 
She just spilled a truly on my floor. <laughs> Did you get your joint wet? No. Thank God. Right, priorities. Um, you <laughs> anyways, um, my parents live at the end of like a private lane, so there's no lights or anything. It's super dark. Bailey and I have fallen on it more times than we can count coming home drunk in high school. But um, ninth grade, when we went and saw it, her dad dropped me off and he refused to drive down the lane because it also has speed bumps. And they had this like super low to the ground Camaro and it would always scrape on the speed bumps. So I made him stay parked on the outside of the lane with the headlights <laughs> flashing down the lane so I wouldn't walk in the dark because I was so fucking scared of the exorcist. And upon reflection, I think the reason that – so movies like The Exorcist or the or Emily Rose or any of those type of movies, even – um, like it's been made of so much now that it doesn't feel like it was ever scary, but Paranormal Activity, movies like that scare me so much more than slasher films – because I'm a control freak and the idea that um, I have zero control over a possession or a haunting or, you know, you have no control over that freaks me out. Like yeah. a slasher, you know, you can still you have this idea that maybe you can do something. I mean, Not the odds, us, but I know else. the odds of me making it are very slim, <clears throat> but in theory, you can run away. You, you can fight back. You can try to do something versus the exorcism. Yeah. The Exorcist. It owns you. Yep. And so I think that's why I'm so scared of those type of movies. So, mm -hmm. yes, The Exorcist might not have scared you that much, but it scared the fuck out of me. Yeah. So tell me about it. Tell me about rewatching it all these years later. Have you watched it since we were in ninth grade? No. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. And where did you watch it so I can watch it? Do you own it? No, I watched it on my tablet. I know, but where? What? Uh, HBO. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I can definitely watch it then. Okay. Yeah. HBO Max or Go or whatever the fucking thing is. Yeah. I might do it this weekend. Mm-hmm. So it opens up at an archaeological dig. I don't remember if it gave us the years. I know it was in like northern Iraq. And when they find something at the bottom of like a statue, they call the priest and the priest comes and again, like I was saying, there's zero fucking dialogue. We don't know what's going on. There's this weird music in the background. And you can just see, like, the concern over his face. Like, mm, this shit's shady. He doesn't say anything about it. He pockets a couple of, of the items and goes back. And weird things start happening. Like, a horse-drawn carriage almost kills him. The clock in his office just stops working. There are these random donks fighting and then boom all of a sudden we're in Washington DC <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a single mother her 12 year old daughter Reagan and their assistants basically and they're moving into a new house because the mom is in town to film a movie she's an actress Oh. and we learn throughout the movie that the dad's basically like a loser piece of shit so we're just going to pretend like he doesn't matter okay. he doesn't even exist and again we don't know what era this is set in I remember it being set in I like would assume it's probably in the 70s. 70s yeah right I would assume it's in the year that I'm they're trying to remember the in. cars on the street and I feel like they it's, were kind of 70s. 70s cars mm -hmm. absolutely and so the mom is filming and while she's filming Reagan is kind of going throughout the house and she finds a Ouija board in the basement 
mm-hmm. and she comes up with a friend like Captain Howdy. <laughs> yeah. Right? So silly. Some of those friendly spirits that Ronald yeah. and Aunt Harriet found, Captain mm-hmm. Howdy. That's so funny. And by the way, the Ouija board thing is kind of where they lost me even in my story because we all know that. Come on. A Ouija board. I know. But in the 40s. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 40s to 70s, especially. Yeah. Like, yeah. But still. So, yeah. And that's why even the mom, like, dismisses it. She's like, oh, yeah, let's play with it. You're right. All right. She's all into it. She's like, cool, whatever. But yeah. So the daughter's just kind of, like, randomly doing some weird shit throughout the house. Um, I got lots of Amityville horror vibes because the noises mm-hmm. that only the mom seems to be hearing. Nobody else seems to be hearing them. She's like, you guys don't fucking hear the rats? Oh, yeah. And they're like, no, ma'am. He's like, I'll set some traps, I guess. The windows constantly being left open mm. and her room is freezing. Very Amityville. Mm-hmm. And throughout the filming... The mom has a little, like, soiree, a little party at mm-hmm. her house. And Reagan's perfectly polite throughout the evening or whatever, and she goes upstairs and has to go to bed. And they're all sitting around the piano. And she comes downstairs kind of in a trance-like state. And and how'd she come down the stairs? Well, in the, in the version that I watched, she just appears remember but but in the remastered version that came out that we saw in the theater backwards crab yeah that scared the shit out of us (laughs) um but yeah so she comes down and she's like i'm gonna die up there and she just starts peeing oh yeah i remember that yeah Mm -hmm. she just pees on the floor just pees on the floor does anybody see her backwards crab walk down the stairs so technically I mean, not to correct you or anything. I don't want to be a dick. That actually happens later. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I remember it all. As well. I've only seen it once. I know. I know. That happens later. Um, and by the way, you can always correct me. It's okay. Yeah. That won't get my feelings hurt. So this time, she's just being weird. And she pees. And That's pretty, pretty weird. I know. <laughs> right? She's 12. She's yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, I'm going to die up there. And just <laughs> I have a 10-year-old who looks like a 13-year-old. Could you imagine if Lila was like, I'm going to die in my room and then just peed on the floor? Should we discuss what happened in the kitchen earlier that reminded me of the <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I tried to beer bong a truly and I failed so bad. I don't know what happened. I think I wasn't holding the, the beer bong properly. Anyways, a bunch came spitting out of my mouth and all over my dress and all over my kitchen floor. Right. If I spill in your bedroom every time, we can at least talk about the times <laughs> you spill in the other place. I know. Well, at least mine's on hardwood floor, I so know. it's easier to clean up. But now my dress does smell like truly and it's distracting me, so I'm trying to ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> anyway, so the mom is just like, look, I'm under a lot of stress. She's been under the weather. Like, I'm just going to go take her upstairs. I'd like you all to leave. Okay. Okay. So she does. She what does a, a great. Mom. Yeah, she does a great job. She gives her a bath. She's like, "Are you okay?" And it's like, "All right, let's tuck you into bed." As soon as she tucks the bitch into bed, the bed starts thrashing. Mm-hmm. She throws her body on top of her daughter mm-hmm. and feels the bed moving, but because there's no logical explanation for that, she takes her daughter to a hospital. Yeah, right. Because what else are you gonna do? Well, and maybe. Like in the afterwards, you could maybe convince yourself that it was like a seizure yeah, or something. Right. So they're in the hospital and uh, the doctors, they do. They find like a lesion in her frontal lobe. Mm-hmm. 
And so they, I believe they like sedate her and they do images of her brain. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we can recommend um, some treatment. And this is the part that I had blocked out after seeing it twice was the medical shit. They like poke a tube into her throat and there's needles and there's blood. And oh my God, was I uneasy. I forgot all about that shit. Yeah, I totally forgot about that too. Mm-hmm. And um, she like convulses pretty heavily, like strapped down on the table mm. when they're like doing the images of her brain. And I just felt so bad for this poor 12 year old girl. And um, she starts to swear and they kind of like hear the voice. Mm. But they just dismiss it because of what they're doing to her. And they're like, well, hopefully this will help. But it really just aggravated it and just made everything worse. Mm-hmm. And this is when she, like, really starts to ball out. Mm-hmm. And the doctors are like, all right, let's get a psychiatrist. And mm-hmm. she needs to be seen by somebody on that end of the spectrum. And so they bring him in. She fucking flings his ass to the ground like he's a rag doll. Yep. Like, male human strength. Like, fuck you, bitch. Mm-hmm. Don't even talk to me. So now, at this point, the doctor's like, we tap out. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't know what else we're going to do. Right. Like, uh, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. So now we've got, side note, the God, father priest. Father. Is it Father Damien? Yeah. His story. Mm-hmm. Right? So this poor guy is feeling super guilty about his relationship with the church and his mom. He's really torn. Oh, that's right. I forgot the whole mom thing. Mm-hmm. So while he was studying to get into the whole priesthood, he did focus a lot on, like, the witchcraft mm. and the more supernatural side of the religion. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of papers and stuff on it. And his mom is living in the city in like New York and so he has to travel quite a bit to see her and so the fact that she's living on her own he's feeling so guilty she's like older mm-hmm. super old super old super old and she ends up dying yep in the apartment and doesn't get found for like a couple days uh. and it sends him into a bad place I can only imagine right <clears throat> and weird shit starts happening at the church so, like, one of the statues of Mother Mary or somebody um, gets, like, a penis <laughs> and breasts, like, add, <laughs> added to it. Leave it to the 70s, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> really sexualized things. <laughs> and um, the director of the movie that the mom was working on was found dead at the bottom of the stairs outside of Reagan's room. Yep. And it wasn't that the fall, like, finding him underneath, like, well, not underneath, but, like, at the bottom of the stairs was weird. It's the way that his body was so heavily contorted. Like, his neck was completely turned around. Like, his body was fucked up. And they're, like, falling down the stairs. No matter how hard you fall down the stairs, you're not going to end up like that. Yeah. So the guy investigating this goes to this father, to this priest, like dude, I know that you kind of dabbled in this when you were doing your studies and I know you're kind of in a weird place right now. (laughs) What are the chances you're going to help me out? Yeah. And he's like, no, go fuck yourself, basically. Oh, really? He says no? Yeah. He's like, "Uh, I'm not going to do it. It's not until Reagan's mom pleads with him. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't understand. I think my 12-year-old little girl killed this guy. 
Yeah. Like, she's been to the doctors. I don't know what else to do. And he's like, well, what do you think? I, why do you think I know what I'm going to do? Like, mm-hmm. just because I studied this, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. He's like, I'd have to take it and present it to the church and have them, like, okay it. Yeah. He's like, I need proof. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like somewhere in the back of my mind that that really is how it works with Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a priest can't just show up and do an exorcism. They have to have it approved by, like, the higher-ups. Yeah. So to backtrack a little bit, the night that you're talking about, so the night that the director of the movie dies, he was supposed to be at the house watching Reagan while the Mm -hmm. mom was out getting Mm -hmm. medicine. And when she comes back, Reagan's alone, Mm -hmm. like asleep up in her room when her window's open. Mm -hmm. And so she goes downstairs and confronts like the assistant or whatever, like, what the fuck? Why is nobody here with my daughter? And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, so-and-so is here. And it's like, no, he's not. That's when she crab walks down. And they see her? Yeah. The mom and the assistant? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Would you, what would you do? You flip the fuck out. You just run out of the house. Yeah. And so, it's so hard because it's your kid. But right. then you're like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. So she knows that Reagan killed him. I mean, once we start backwards crab walking downstairs, <laughs> it's a wrap, dude. <laughs> of course. and anyways so she convinces the guy to come father damien and the one of the first things out of reagan's mouth is about his dead mom yep and so he's like do you know about my mom dying and she's like well yeah the the cop told me but i i would never say anything to that to my 12 year old daughter and he's like, so sh- there's no way that she would know. But mm-hmm. he's hesitant. He's like, I don't know that I believe that. But that's like his first inkling. Like, okay, maybe something's going on. Yeah. So that lures him back in. So he comes back in with the recordings. And he thinks that he catches her speaking another language. Mm-hmm. So when he takes it to a linguistist or whatever, um, it's actually English but backwards. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, all right, this might be enough to take. And then she gets the writing through the skin. Yep. It says, like, carves out, help me (laughs) on her chest. So he's like, all right, definitely going to present this to the church. And the church is like, okay, but we need to bring in, like, an expert. So here we finally go back to the fucking priest at the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. that was at the dig. They bring that motherfucker in. Yeah. And he's the one that's supposed to be, like, the expert. What's his name? I know one of them is Father Damien, so if I led you astray with saying this first one is Father Damien, I apologize. No, 100% Damien's the one that with the mom. Okay. 100%. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Just want to make sure that I didn't get false yeah, information. No, no. So they decide to go ahead and go through with the exorcism. And they go upstairs. And that's when we get a lot of the head spinning and the vomiting. The classic images. Mm-hmm. The stuff that we really like to remember. I also left out, kind of out, out of convenience earlier, the, the masturbating with the cross scene. Yep. Just the bloody. The bloody uh, masturbation with the crucifix. Yeah. Oh. And so now we're at the, may the power of Christ compel you. <laughs> may the power of Christ compel you. Which, by the way, on a side note. I don't know 
Dude, I don't share any of this shit with my kids. I don't know where she saw it, but Lila, my oldest, who's 10. She knows it from something. She started saying it yeah. earlier. They were playing it's, They were playing some game yeah. where her brother was pretending to be a demon mm-hmm. and, like, attacking her and her little sister. And she started seeing the power of Christ and holding up a cross. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you know it's that? It's got to be from, like, a Simpsons episode. Like, something. Yeah. But it oh, was like, so funny that we were doing The Exorcist later. That just happened a few right. hours ago. And I was like, How? Well, I asked my daughter to help with my outfit, so we'll talk about that. Yeah. She was like, what? Yeah. Uh, so, um, body levitating, the whole caboodle. They take a break. Both of the priests leave the room. They're like, we need a breather. Mm-hmm. One goes downstairs. Father Damien goes downstairs. And the other one, it looks like he's going to the bathroom. He, like, puts water on his face. He sneaks back in mm-hmm. without and telling Father Damien. And this is the one from the dig site Correct. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he gets killed. I'm trying to think what he did to really piss her off enough. Doesn't she? Th- does she throw him out a window or she throws him against the wall? Yeah, something like that. But either way, she kills him. They hear it downstairs. Father Damien runs up. He tries to get the demon out one last time, and he finally pleads. He's like, just take me. Leave the girl and just take me. Mm-hmm. And basically, the demon gives in, leaves the leaves Reagan, goes into him. His body goes out the window. That's where I'm getting the window. Yeah. He goes down those same, yep. the same set of stairs. Ends up at the bottom, right? Reagan's in the corner, just cowering. I mean, yeah. The mom, imagine? and suddenly the investigator is is there. He shows up. <laughs> Good timing. Mm-hmm. Better late than ever, I guess. So they run upstairs. She apparently doesn't remember anything. Reagan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She. When I had said earlier about Ronald Doe and like, oh, I I read a few different things. One of the things I read was that he didn't remember either. Mm. But like I said, I read so many different things about him. I can't tell you what actually right. happened with his life. But I did read that he also, quote unquote, didn't remember anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the mom just picks everything up and moves and goes on with her life like nothing happened. <laughs> that would be so weird. Right? Yeah. And that's it. Okay. Yeah, that's how they end the fucking movie. With the dead body at the bottom of the stairs and the little girl like, what? (laughs) I did what? (laughs) Because it's not like she wasn't fucked up. Like, you could still tell that she had lost a lot of weight. Yeah. And that she still had the scars on her body. Like, she had still physically gone through the trauma, but she didn't remember any of it. Who's in the room when her head spins around? Just the mom and the two priests. God, could you imagine? Yeah. And then doesn't she also not? I I know that she like taunts him about his mom, but doesn't she speak in his mom's voice? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to make sure I was remembering things clearly. Yeah. And then the vomit is famously split pea soup. Right. They used for the green vomit. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Pretty scary. Okay. I'm gonna rewatch it. You wanna talk about my outfit? Um. In one second. Oh, fine. I was thinking about oh. so beautiful. Sorry, Reagan. Is that you? Right? <laughs> Are you possessed? 
Um, I was thinking about doing a thing. Ooh. Maybe starting like a book club, if you will. Okay. Maybe not a book club. Book recommendations. Yeah. Um, so, you know, first up is The Exorcist, right? Go read The Exorcist. Um, I have read bits and pieces of it because mm. this kid I was in class with was reading it and I would kind of take it from him and, and flip through instead of paying attention because I did not want to be in class. Okay. And that book is fucking scary. I bet. It's scary, scary. I bet. Remember the Friends episode where Joey keeps, he puts it in the freezer because it's so scary? That's not The Exorcist. <laughs> that wasn't The Exorcist? No. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. It's Cujo. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. No way he thought Cujo was that scary. Yep, because Joey. then they end up watching the movie together. That's right. Well, that's how I felt about the Exorcist book. Just reading the chapters yeah. of her possession was, or I guess his possession was scary enough. Mm-hmm. But I think in the book it might be a girl too. Well, I guess you're going to find out. I guess I should read it and find out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I remember reading that scene with the masturbating with the crucifix mm-hmm. and them descri- describing how awful it was. And Imagine just, watching it at eight years old. No. With I was your gonna, mom and your grandma. The grandma is the real, that's the real wild card. She's honestly the reason. She's the one that tipped the scale towards watching it. I think my mom so was funny. holding back. Like, I don't think so. And I think my grandma was like, oh no, she's fine. <laughs> I think your grandma was old enough because your parents are a little older than my parents. I think at that point, Nana was old enough that, like, she remembers when life was really hard. Like, yeah. like Depression oh, era hard. 100%. So she's all, ah, it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? how bad could it be? A hundred percent. And I love my dad sitting in the other room like, these fucking dumb bitches. Well, <laughs> They're that... going to ruin my child, but I'm just going to sit here and I don't care. Listen, that these dumb bitches could be the title of his autobiography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> him. Uh, if you want Amen. Bailey's dad in a nutshell is him sitting in another room while her, her mom, and at the time her grandma were cackling about something. I'm like, these dumb bitches, what is going on in there? <laughs> I'm going to stay out here and smoke a cigarette. I am not going in there. Um, okay, so outfit time. Bees look of the week. So I'm trying to participate. You're only going to see pictures of Bailey. But I went for, like, worried Catholic mom. Yep. You're um, the only one of... The two of us here that owns a cross. I am wearing a legit crucifix. I have on a black dress and then I have on like this black lace mm-hmm. shawl. No makeup besides just like face powder, which is unlike me. Mm-hmm. And I try to do my like little circles under the eyes and a little bun. So I'm trying to be like, oh, like Catholic mom. Mm-hmm. So worried. Haven't slept. Bees look of the week. She's going full Reagan, guys. Yep. She's got on uh old granny nightgown that is from one of her Halloween decorations. Thank goodness. Because I was really struggling. Like, do I have to go to a thrift store? I, I think you probably just go to Walmart, to be honest. But, yeah. But to get something so, like, old. Yeah. Right? Like, with the ruffles and the just the little the little details. Yep. It, it ended up being perfect. How did you think of it? You just remembered it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. B goes all out for Halloween, and she'll have, like, full-on characters in her yard and zombies and stuff so there's like kind of this is she a zombie or she's just a creepy old lady she's just a creepy old lady creepy old lady that dummy that she sets up in her yard and she wears this creepy old lady hillbilly nightgown Mm -hmm. and it's perfect it's perfect for reagan and then she did her face makeup like it's all fucked up like she's gaunt and scratched up and bruised and hasn't slept and i asked my three-year-old to help me color 
all of it as much as she could green yep with her chalk for the split pea soup yep so bia's green chalk all over her face all over her nightgown and then we took some pretty good exorcism pictures in my daughter's bed (laughs) try to make it look as little like a 2020 child's bed as we could um try to look at make it look a little bit more 70s and yeah, so these are the things we do for our audience. And we really, <laughs> yeah. we really this hope is, you appreciate it. This as is much what as we, we do, do for the five of you who are listening. Mm-hmm. Has nothing to do with the fact that we like to dress in a theme. My mom, I was so funny talking to her about the podcast. She's like, well, I don't even know how to listen to a podcast. And I'm like, well, do you know how to follow Mariah on Instagram? She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure you could figure out how to find the link. I'm like, oh, and then it's on mine now, too. Yep. But yours is private, so no point in telling the listeners that. Mine is, too. But we have THC Podcast right. on Instagram, which is a public account. Mm-hmm. Our and link is in bio to listen. And then I showed her the pictures. <laughs> and I think I showed her the one from the Amityville Horror. And she's like, I don't get it. Are you dressed up as, as the wife? And I'm like, Come what? on, <laughs> Lori. Come on. <laughs> so how you should have showed her Carla Homolka. I know. I showed her all of them. Oh, but that one really stood yeah, out. Yeah, but that <laughs> Dude, the night that I texted you that I was alone drinking wine watching Breaking Dawn Part 2, I was already pretty buzzed. I was halfway through the movie. As you should be. And I got, I I randomly went on, I'm sure it was a wolf scene. I went on to Instagram real quick on the THC podcast account. And another, I don't think it's a podcast, but it's a something. I'd have to look. They commented on our Carla Homolka one, and they're from Canada. And they said that that movie caused a ton of controversy, the movie Carla. And they said, um, but, you know, Carla Homolka herself causes a ton of controversy up here. So and I said, I can only imagine the fact that she's now a soccer mom and she volunteers at an elementary school. And then the other account came back and told me kind of a story about just kind of how scandalized everybody was about her and pretty nice interaction there. But that's so cool. It was so cool. I know. Hi, guys. Yeah. Hey. So that's so funny that your mom (laughs) just stuff like the wife. Yeah. Yep. With the axe in my hand and a gun (laughs) and my husband's work pants. Love my mom. I love your mom. She's the best time. Yeah, if you ever figure out how to listen to these, love you. (laughs) I mean, I wonder if I could just send her a link. I wonder if you could text her a link. We have to do it every episode. (laughs) I know, right? So funny. All right. Well, you'll get to see pictures of B, THC podcast on Instagram. We are THC True on Twitter. Tell a friend, tell a family member. And we'll be doing this a lot sooner. We're doing this on a Monday. We're turning sooner around and later. doing it mm-hmm. on our normal Friday. And like I said, this next episode is going to be fire. We're very, very excited about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So come along with us. Come back. Listen to another story. And thank you so much for listening. And... We'll see you next time. Bye.